Moving through history in an unguided and undesigned way, the theory of evolution. Excuse me. Yes, Ben. How did life begin in the first place? Mr. Stein, you have the same question every time. Well, you never answer it, sir. It develops, it dis, we are, dis, you, you know, we've been through this so many times, you have Could me so... Could there have been an intelligent designer? So what are you here for? I made a movie. Join Ben Stein in this year's most controversial documentary film. If they value their careers, they should keep quiet about their intelligent design views. I was viewed as an intellectual terrorist. I have never been treated like this in my 30 years in academia. I lost my job. It's a funny thing that questions that aren't properly answered don't go away. How did we get from an inorganic world to the world of the cell? It might have started off on the backs of crystals. So you have no idea how it started? No, no. no, no nor has anybody. Nor has anyone else. So intelligent designers believe that God is the designer. God is about as unlikely as fairies, angels, uh, hobgoblins, etc. Science makes no use of the hypothesis of God. I mean, it's essentially official policy of the National Academy of Science that religion and science will not be related. There are people out there who want to keep science in a little box where it can't possibly touch a higher power, cannot possibly touch God. Must be some movie. It's awesome. That's a trailer for the new movie recently released to theaters, Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed, with Ben Stein, a documentary which claims that American educators and scientists are being persecuted for their belief that there might be evidence for intelligent design. Thank you for downloading the internet-exclusive edition of Table Talk Radio, Table Scraps. I'm Evan Gigline, and joining me for Table Scraps today is Dr. Charles Jackson. He holds master's degrees in science education and environmental biology from George Mason University. Uh, that university was mentioned in this movie. We'll talk about that briefly. But he also holds a doctorate in science education at the University of Virginia. He also is the founder of Points of Origins Ministries, the ministry that makes a stand upon the scientific case for a literal six-day creation, as recorded in the book of Genesis. Dr. Jackson, thank you for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, before I get your initial comments of the movie, um, would you, for our listeners, quickly uh, summarize the content of the movie? Quickly summarize. Well, they do uh, uh, do a lot to make certain that it's beyond shadow of a doubt documented that indeed anyone in the science profession or especially in science education on higher academia who actually challenges uh, the Darwinian status quo uh, suffers for that career-wise um, uh, being denied tenure being removed from a position uh, that sort of thing they do a lot of that uh, I think one interesting aspect of the film is the way that they have likened very much, and it runs through the whole film, they've likened the uh, uh, the Berlin Wall to the wall that is in the scientific and academic communities, uh, saying that no ideas shall cross this wall. And of course, that was the point in East and West Berlin. No, no uh, Western ideas should cross the wall into East Berlin. Uh, well, no, uh, no anti-Darwinian ideas should should be allowed. You see, on, on the Darwin side of the wall, everyone does have academic freedom, but on the other side, like in East Berlin in the communist uh, area, 
uh, freedom is not allowed. I think that's I think that's a very fair assessment, contrary to all of the uh, uh, protests that have been coming up lately. And then uh, the movie also uh, very, I think, uh, respectfully um, and uh, um, not intrepidly, but but I think uh, more mildly than they even needed to make the connection between Darwin. Darwinian thinking and Nazi Germany. Then, what are your initial comments on the movie? Well, uh, I think they did a very good job. Of when I, when as soon as the movie begins, you 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 realize that this is done very professionally. This is not some something you know done by a, a couple of churches in Idaho, not to knock Idaho or churches <laughs> there, but uh, this is this was top flight. It's much like the. Creation Museum at Answers in Genesis. Uh, what's impressive is that everything, everything is done to a very high level of professionality. Is the I think in the, in the recent past I think we've seen how documentaries can uh, twist the truth. I think namely of some documentaries done by uh, people like Al Gore and and Michael Moore and the like. Is this documentary honest to the true facts as, that it addresses as you know them to be true? Well, you will hear everywhere that they have exaggerated that they've picked a few select people that it's not really true you know they found a few people who they've managed to make it look like they were released from their positions uh but i've met and and talked to carolyn crocker who was uh dismissed from george mason university um i have three of my degrees from that institution and i happen to know it's a very uh a bastion of evolution uh, uh uh, uh, Robert Hazen and uh, Harold Morowitz, who developed the deep sea vent evolution of life theory, both teach there. I think James Treffel, uh has taught there. Uh, there is, uh, and then Carolyn Crocker there uh, brings up intelligent design in her lectures and then has to be disciplined out. Uh, I myself was denied tenure at a so-called Christian college for not believing in Darwin. I was the only a uh, person on the faculty with science degrees who believed that Genesis was literally true at a Christian college. Now, the mainline denominational, uh, you know, Protestant denominational uh, college. Now, I was not the only Bible, you know, believer on the faculty, but I was the only one with science degrees that was tolerated. And actually, I wasn't tolerated. I was denied tenure for that reason. I know because at my hearing, after being there five years, it was stated many times in the hearing without me saying a word uh, for a half an hour that uh, I was not being denied tenure because of the evolution issue. They wanted to make sure I heard that. <laughs> um, let's take a look at uh, some of the, the critics of the movie. The New York Times described the movie as a conspiracy theory rant masquerading as investigative inquiry. How do you respond to such critics? Well, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's some sort of conspiracy theory thing, um, then, uh, then there would be somebody there trying to uh, to hang this all on. Uh, what uh, the movie does is shows that it is not any one organization. It's not even any one branch or an enterprise in science. The movie makes it clear it's not even atheism or revolutionism itself. It is the this worldview, this worldview of a. Uh, happens to be majority of scientists uh, that is driving this, and it's, it's not necessarily coordinated, unless in the spiritual sense you want to say it's coordinated by the forces of darkness, uh, which, which you certainly could say, in my opinion. 
Are scientists who propose the possibility of intelligent design, are they also proposing or even secretly proposing uh, a theology or, or creationism? Is that what they're, they're doing in, in their proposals? Well, many of us who are uh, biblical literalists in the creation science movement are, are, do look at the intelligent design theorists just a little sideways because they aren't trying to bring up biblical creation uh, science. They are, many of them are, are, uh, are not uh, denominational uh, Christians at all. I mean, you've got, you've got uh, Muslims very active in France and Turkey in the, in the intelligent design movement. Uh, they are very uh, uh, Genesis-oriented, those. But there, there's so many different things that, that go on in that group. It's a much bigger tent. Of course, creationists all believe in intelligent designer, but not all intelligent design theorists believe that uh, Jehovah or Jesus you know, or, or Allah uh, would be the intelligent designer. So uh, intelligent design doesn't equal necessarily creationism. Would you, would you make no. the distinction then? <laughs> It, it does for me, because I'm a creationist, but I know for a lot of intelligent design theorists, it does not equal creation. Uh, and, and I don't think that the intelligent design arguments are, uh, are unarguable uh, or unassailable by evolutionists. There are ways evolutionists could, uh, could uh, say, well, evolution could have done that. And you can argue you know, to, to great lengths on that. I think the intelligent design theorists will win that argument, but it's so arguable. Um, I think the idea of where did life come from in the first place is the most difficult question that the evolutionists have, and, and this is why it's so good that that's the main point intelligent design picks up. So the scientists that are being denied tenure or losing their jobs, are they uh, proposing creation or intelligent design? They're, the ones that are cited in the, uh, in the movie are proposing, uh, well, in, in some cases proposing intelligent design, in some cases just mentioning intelligent design, in some cases, only putting forth the question that maybe we should listen to what the intelligent design people are saying, uh, and in some cases, only just raising questions about traditional Darwinian thinking. So it's, it's not always uh, someone who's trying to uh, actually put forth intelligent design or replace Darwinian thinking with it. So why then are, are scientists being uh, blacklisted then for merely saying that scientific evidence doesn't necessarily support Darwinian evolution, while never even mentioning the name of any god. Well, one, one fellow in the movie that was uh, quoted in the movie uh, gave the answer to that. He, he was against um, the intelligent design movement, and he said, look, if we, get the, if we allow this in the schools, there'll be prayers in the school again. So really, they don't want, there are people who don't want any possibility of the idea of of a god uh, to be brought up in school because they think it'll bring back school prayer and and all of that stuff that uh, uh, was supposedly settled in the early 60s okay I'd like to spend some time talking about uh, the science um, this the scientific evidence for both of these views but before we can do that maybe we should define evolution uh, would you do that for us dr. Jackson Many evolution definitions have been suggested by people, um, and in the movie it's brought up too. I was speaking at University of Tennessee, Knoxville, last Thursday night, and one student stood up and said, evolution is just change over time. Uh, it's just a change in gene frequencies, Dr. Jackson. How can you object to that? And I said, I don't object to 
to that. Uh, if that's all evolution is, then I believe in evolution. And I said to him, what if in ten generations there's, I said three generations, there's all red-headed humans. Everybody but the redheads are eliminated from the population somehow. Uh, would you call that a change in the frequency of the red-headed gene? And he said, oh, yes. I said, well, since red-headed gene exists today, and that was no new gene with new information and new DNA coding for new traits, uh, then I believe in evolution if that's all it is. But you see, that same process can't get you from worms to bald eagles and people, and that's what evolution says. When, when it's mentioned in the classroom, evolution means the Big Bang occurred, our planet formed all by itself after the Big Bang occurred all by itself, chemicals formed out of hydrogen all by themselves, and those chemicals formed biomolecules all by themselves. Those biomolecules got together and made DNA and, and, and uh, proteins and RNA and, and membranes and, and lipids and uh, all of the chemicals necessary for living things all by themselves uh, did chemical reactions in the ocean or mud puddles or the atmosphere, and then they got together to make a living cell, billions of living cells all over the planet, all by themselves, and those living cells then, all by themselves, uh, became uh, all the different living species we see today and all the ones that have ever lived and are now extinct. You see, that is what they mean when they say evolution, so why don't we just define it that way? Okay, um, then having defined it that way, would you give us some uh, examples of scientific evidence where science uh, would contradict the theory of Darwinian evolution? Well, they're always giving examples of it, much like the red-haired thing. The textbooks uh, try to say, oh, well, the peppered moths in England. You know, we had white moths and black moths, and then pr supposedly the, the uh, population evolved to have more black moths in response to more air pollution, making the tree bark darker, and so natural selection, the birds could see the light-colored moths, and they ate them more, and the dark-colored moths thrived. But, but again, before the supposed evolution, you got light-colored moths and dark-colored moths. And after the evolution, you have light-colored moths and dark-colored moths. There's nothing new. It's like the red hair. Uh, but uh, that would be something they throw up as evidence for evolution. You did ask for evidence against evolution. The biggest single evidence against evolution is all those steps that I said when I gave the definition of evolution, uh, all of those steps that had to have happened all by themselves, we have known laboratory-proven principles and laws of science chemical equilibrium laws, physics involved in, the, in gas and dust clouds and, uh, and pressures and temperatures and uh, gravitational forces, all these things that we've been able to demonstrate in the laboratory and prove scientifically and they've become codified as laws of science. Uh, for evolution to proceed, those laws must be broken at every single one of the junctures I mentioned, including the origin of new species. And there are so many just obvious logical things that would have to uh, happen that would logically be impossible uh, for new species to arise. In the movie, uh, Dr. Michael Rost, uh, when Ben Stein asked him uh, where, where the molecules came from to, to originate, he says on the, on the backs of crystals, um, I'm not a scientist, and, but I, I do try to keep up with some of the stuff a little bit, and I haven't heard that before. Is that a, a common argument for evolution, that, that uh, life began on the backs of crystals? Yes, it is. It, it's one of their favorite ones uh, for trying to explain the origin of life. And so a lot of, uh, a lot of research uh, projects 
are pursuing that, trying to prove that it happened. The most recent was just about two years ago where they, they actually did uh, create their own proteins and then stuck them into a test tube with some... Uh, when they say crystals, they really mean specks of uh, clay, microscopic crystals uh, floating in water solution, suspended in a water column, in other words, stirred up in, in, in water, like in a, in a creek bed or, or something, uh, or in a river. So these little flakes, of, uh, of uh, which are microscopic crystals, flakes of clay, uh, actually do have electrical charges on them, actually can attract amino acids if they happen to be in the water, um, and bring them together. Because, see, water causes amino acids to detach from each other. Uh, but in order to form proteins, amino acids have to attach to each other. So how do you get that to happen? Well, they, they've suggested that they attract to the clay speck, and while they're all stuck in a row in a line uh, onto the surface of the microscopic clay crystal uh, that they are, while they're near each other like that, they attach to each other in peptide bonds. Most uh, high school biology students have heard the word peptide bonds. And, uh, and, then, and that's how they got together. Problem is the clay speck won't let go of them once they've done this. And if it did, they'd fall apart because water makes amino acid chains fall apart and breaks the peptide bonds. Peptide bonds are formed by what's called a dehydration synthesis. And if you hydrate a dehydrated bond, you, you reverse the whole process and break it. So even if it did let go of the clay speck, you'd have problems. But what good is a protein molecule sticking on a clay speck? And you have to have the amino acids in exactly the right order for the protein to work. Your average protein is 400 or 500 amino acids long. What's the chance of getting, getting that many in just the right order to make a working protein? There's problems with that theory. It's mostly wishful thinking a little bit of uh, of of maybe possible possibility thinking but it's it's really like a lottery so if a uh, legitimate accredited scientist were to attack some of the, this hypothesis saying look the science the science doesn't support this theory would he then um, be scrutinized in his field for for attacking uh, a theory of evolution or a hypothesis for evolution he might be, unless he was attacking the crystal theory with another evolutionary theory, uh, like that uh, the amino acids put together in the atmosphere, like Stanley Miller's uh, experiment in the 1950s. Uh, there are Millerites, and there are uh, uh, they're called, and then there's the Ventus that believed that life began in the bottom of the ocean at deep sea vents where volcanic gases are coming out and, and are catalyzed by uh, uh, metallic crystals. Uh, on these little small uh, undersea uh, volcanic cones, uh, they're, they're you know they were like 20 feet high. They call them smokers or black chimneys. But there's all this uh, uh, nutrient-rich uh, uh, stuff coming up out of there, just like uh, just like volcanic ash is very nutrient-rich. And so they're saying, well, that was that provided uh, life. He, he, there, if you are a scientist and you suggest another evolutionary way is the way it happened. Uh, then you might not get in trouble um, unless uh, you're really, really in a minority. Now, don't forget, in the movie, Richard Dawkins uh, agrees with a possibility that was totally believed in by Francis Crick of Watson Crick uh, DNA model fame, and he was also the, uh, uh, the honorary chair of the Human Genome Project until his death in his, 19, in his 90s. He was an older man uh, at the time. Uh, uh, 
the movie, uh, actually, the evolutionists in the movie suggest that perhaps aliens um, intelligently designed life on this planet. Now, you can still exist in the scientific community if you believe that. So long as you don't believe God did it, uh, you, you'll be tolerated. You might be marginalized a little bit, but Richard Dawkins in the film suggests that, yes, that, that of course, could be true. But God creating life could not be true. I, f- I find that terribly ironic because uh, also in the movie he said that the evidence or his studying of evolution has made him an atheist. It wasn't that his worldview sees the science uh, and then concludes that, oh, it must be evolution. But he said in the movie that uh, that um, be- because he studied the evidence, the-, the scientific evidence, it made him an atheist. Although then he can concede and say, well, it may have been intelligent design, but if it was, it wasn't by God. It was by aliens or some other life form. There was another Oxford professor in the movie, and, and Dawkins teaches at Oxford, who said that, uh, well, what you'll hear is people say the science causes me to have this worldview. And he says, no, I suspect rather it's the other way around. Your worldview causes you to, uh, to subscribe to whatever particular brand or theory in science goes along with your worldview. And I think that's probably the case with Dawkins. I don't believe he wanted to believe in God. Uh, he even admits to uh, Ben Stein in the movie that it would be horrible if the uh, Jewish God of the Bible existed. He said that'd be a terrible thing. Also in the movie, a scientist uh, concluded that if we taught intelligent design in the schools, it would be terribly, terribly boring. Um, he said he, he can't uh, even fathom to think about the boredom uh, that, that, would be, that would come along be attached with teaching intelligent design. Um, why do you think that, that he might think it's boring? Well, I was debating uh, uh, the biology department chair at University of Texas, Tyler, once, and one of his professors. It was two-on-one. It was supposed to be one-on-one, but when I arrived, they added the chair of the department to the uh, evolution team. I said, fine, but you split the time. You don't get twice as much time because there's twice as many of you, and they agreed. But when I was... Uh, debating them, they said to the audience that belief in God stifles scientific curiosity, because you don't, you don't want to ask any questions then. You just go, well, God did it, and then that's it. But that's not, not true at all. And I countered back. I said, Isaac Newton, one of the most celebrated scientists of all time, said, uh, and, and there is controversy whether he originated this quote. It's almost certain he did say it. He might have been borrowing it from somebody else, but he certainly believed it, and that was all of science is thinking God's thoughts after him. So if you look at science, it's almost like taking a microscope to a Rembrandt and looking at the minute brushstrokes and going, ah, that's how he did it. Uh, To me, uh, belief in God does not make science boring. Uh, It does not answer all the questions. It opens many, many more into uh, into an intricate infinitely imaginative mind that created it all. Now, evolutionists will often speak of the evolutionary process as though it is a mental consciousness. Uh, you, you'll hear them talking about it uh, in this anthropomorphism, it's called, giving uh, human uh, motivations to a, to a mindless or supposedly knee-jerk uh, 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 process, natural process. But uh, I, I don't see how it could make it boring unless you just are bored with the idea of God. And I know that the scientist you were speaking of, uh, William Provine from Cornell, and he is an avid atheist evangelist. I have seen videotapes of Provine 
speaking to groups of elementary school children, public elementary school children, explaining to them why you should not believe in God. This man has a definite motivation for him to to emphatically say that uh, belief in God would make science boring. Is is just him trying to foist his agenda? That's all. The uh, the movie expelled no intelligence allowed. Um, also uh, spent I think pretty good time talking about the complexity complexity of the molecule since Charles Darwin made his his theory on evolution and to, and uh, what we know scientifically about the molecule today. Uh, can you talk about the complexity of the molecule as we've discovered it discovered it in the past hundred years or so? Complexity of the cell is is what the Darwin's black box is all about by Michael Behe, one of the leaders in the intelligent design uh, movement at Lehigh University. Uh, Behe mentioned, you know, Darwin's black box. It's like a black box he was looking into, and of course, it wasn't clear. We saw through a glass darkly 150 years ago in Darwin's day, and we just thought that uh, cells were little uh, glad bags filled with grape jelly with a couple chromosomes floating around in there, whatever those were. Now we know that, uh, that all the way down to the size of molecules, there are little robots, actually nanobots, that, that have bolts and hinges uh, that are made of individual molecules, so small that only electron microscopes in the past uh, uh, decades have been able to, to detect them and to see what they are actually doing. It's incredibly awesome. Uh, um, it is no exaggeration. I think that uh, some of the people who were interviewed in the movie being asked, what is the complexity of the cell now compared to what Darwin thought, uh, I, I think that uh, there were no exaggerations. I think it was understated that if, if you thought of, a, uh, of a, maybe perhaps a, a screwdriver and a screw as the complexity of the machine that was thought of to be the cell in the past, now it would be... Um, the uh, space shuttle is what we see the cell as now, which is the space shuttle is the, the greatest agglomeration of technology ever assembled by mankind. And if we'd ever uh, put together anything more complex than that, I'd, I'd say that, because it's, it, we're infinitely dis- discovering more and more things that the cells are doing, even though we've been able to see everything. We haven't been able to find out what it's all been doing, and uh, it just becomes layer upon layer upon layer of, of overlaying and superimposed complexity upon complexity integrated systems. I'm speaking in generalities. Uh, I could give you some specific examples if you like, but it's, it, there's no exaggeration in the film. It's understated how complicated each cell is, and you have, in, you have 100 trillion cells in the body of an average-sized adult, and in each single cell of your body, except for your red blood cells and a few others, uh, there is a nucleus that has chromosomes. And it, those, there's so many cells in your body. Imagine how small they must be. You've got 100 trillion of them, but in each one, way down inside, is the, in the middle of each cell, very smaller than the cell, is a nucleus. And in each side of each nucleus is six feet of DNA, all wound up in, in one continuous, well, in, in, uh, in the human body, in, in uh, uh, 46 separate strands all bundled up and kept organized in that tiny, tiny space. Imagine how thin the string is, and imagine how hard uh, spaghetti noodles get tangled up, you know, that are, are not as complex. as it's, it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's almost infinite and beyond your, your really human comprehension at this point. The worldview, then, that, that comes from 
the natural belief of, of evolution, uh, if then evolution is that as time goes on over a long period of time, we can uh, the, the, the fittest survive and therefore the, the fittest reproduce and produce better um, generations of what came before. Um, then the, the movie drew some drew some lines and conclusions between uh, the, the the theory or philosophy, I guess you could say, of evolution and that of of Nazism and uh, the Holocaust. Um, in as much as if we and also speaking largely about eugenics, you know, if we if we progress the the traits that are beneficial to our society and hold back the ones that 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 hold back our society, then um, then that it's the betterment of humanity. Um, is that a stretch to draw the, draw such conclusions? Well, uh, Hitler's idea, you know, the master race and the Superman, the Aryan race, and the eugenics idea in this country and most of, of Europe uh, before World War II uh, had this idea that by selecting who gets to breed in artificial selection, we could help natural selection along. But all natural selection can do is select and all artificial selection can do is select from what's already there. You can't make humans better. All you can do is maybe stop and in the wildest dreams go back to how good we once were before the mutations uh, uh, riddled our, our DNA and our inherited uh, genome with so many errors uh, that are corrupting the software of the, uh, the human and uh, machine and every other species on the planet. It, natural selection, in, in 1905, it was realized that uh, it couldn't do what Darwin said. Hugo de Vries said in 1905, natural selection may be able to explain the survival of the fittest, but it cannot explain the arrival of the fittest. In other words, how the fit got here to survive in the first place. But that's the ultimate question evolution claims to answer, but never gives a straight answer to. Lest we think that um, intelligent designers or creationists uh, will look at look at the faults of evolution and then conclude, well, then there must be a designer. Uh, do we have any scientific evidence that might point towards intelligent design? Is it possible to do? Well, I think a lot of people a mistake that intelligent design does nothing but the god of the gaps thing. It says, look how complicated things are, there must be a god. Uh, but it's very well known in the creationist and intelligent design community. Uh, Werner Gitt's book, um, In the Beginning Was Information, Walter Remine's book, The Biotic Message, and uh, indeed many thoughts in creation and intelligent design uh, bring up this matter. Uh, it's not just the DNA molecule. It's not just the complexity of the cells. That That is very interesting and awesome, awe-inspiring and mind-boggling. But that's not the big problem for evolutionists. It, it's not the DNA molecule and its huge complexity, and or even the genetic code. It's the fact that every strand of DNA in your body contains information. Even in the most simple bacteria that exist today, or even in the evolution story, the very first you know, cell of bacteria that evolved all by itself out of the ocean water, uh, that very first living thing would have had to have had um, about, uh, oh, let's see, if it, if it had 250, uh, probably we're probably talking about something like a quarter of a million data points. So we're, we're talking, uh, 
you know, 250K at least of information. Well, I'm probably way underestimating that. The fact that our cells contain information on how to build another human, the fact that a bacteria cell contains information on how to make another bacterial cell and how to run one once it gets going, how to reproduce, there's information in the DNA. Where does information come from? No one can think of any example of information coming about unless there is a mind behind it. And the more information you see, the more certain you are. If you, if you saw uh, floating in the sky in the clouds the letter A, um, it, you might say, oh, look, the clouds could have done that by themselves. But if you saw the entire text of the Gettysburg Address, four score and seven years ago our forefathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, if you saw the entire Gettysburg Address written up in clouds in the sky, no one could convince you that that information, that that organized, organization of matter that contained a sense-making message was done by just itself. You'd say, no, somebody is behind that. And, of course, the information in the simplest living thing is a million times more complex. And they won't look at that and say, somebody is behind that. So it's the information in the DNA that screams. Not only is it unlikely that this could happen without God, there is a zero possibility of it happening without God. This is logically not possible at all, uh, no matter what you uh, dream of. And lastly, Dr. Jackson, what advice would you give uh, a student of science or um, someone pursuing a, a career in science um, who believe in a literal six-day creation as the scriptures teach us? Uh, how would you, uh, what advice would you give them uh, in their workings in the, in the science realm today? Well, you've got to prayerfully consider everything you do. I don't think you should become the class creationist and be super outspoken unless you really feel that that's your mission from God. I mean, if that's your commission, I don't think you should hide it either. If you compromise your way to the top, by the time you get to the top, you'll be compromised. I, I did not try to kid my teachers. Um, they knew what I believed. Um, I did get degrees at George Mason University. My professors, uh, most of mine, were, uh, were well, they weren't okay with it, but they didn't uh, persecute me as a student for that. I had other teachers who I think if I'd have been in their class, they would have, um, and I heard about other teachers. But, you know, some students have a pang of conscience, uh, they tell me. When they answer on a test a question about evolution, which they know is not real, and I, I've often said to them, well, look, if, if it bothers you answering questions uh, according to the evolution theory, just so you'll get a good grade on the test, then write a note to the teacher at the bottom of the test saying, you know, I want you to know I've mastered this material, but I don't believe that it's true, at least not the evolution part. You know, you could do that. Or if you really, you know, don't feel good about that, go ahead and write down the truth, but you will get an F <laughs> on, <laughs> on the test on evolution. I took evolution in college in all my classes, and I even took a course just on evolution. Uh, you, you've got to learn about evolution if you're going to be uh, a creationist. Uh, you've got to be able to understand it. You've got to be able to discuss it intelligently. Uh, you've got to understand evolution to work in the scientific community. Uh, that does not mean evolution is true. It just means to communicate with your colleagues. You're going to have to know what they're talking about. Until evolution is gone, which is happening rapidly, there's a group of evolutionists called the Big 16 that met just a few months ago in Europe. They are forming a new theory to replace Darwin's theory that is not genetics-based. 
and it's called Extended Evolutionary Sequence. And uh, it's going to, they're right now realizing that science, data, information has been against them. So they're taken off with a new direction in evolutionary thinking, and we'll have to wait a little bit until they unveil the new theory. But I uh, trust me, it's going to be less logical than the old one, less data-based than the old one, and a little bit more metaphysical. You watch and see what they do with that. I'm not again. I'm not a, a student of science. However, in some of my uh, theology courses uh, in undergrad, I would often uh, begin what I'm saying is according to class discussion, or as according to the information presented in class, and then proceed with my paper that way. Uh, I think that's good advice for them to understand yeah. that the the test is an assessment of what was presented in class, not a uh, a creed or a, a personal confession of belief. So I don't think any teacher really considers your test paper a confession of belief. Uh, uh, maybe a research paper you wrote. Um, I did sometimes get in trouble for my research papers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Charles Jackson, thank you so much for for your time. I appreciate it. Oh, sh- sure. You're most welcome. That was Dr. Charles Jackson. Of he's the founder of Points of Origins Ministry, and you can find him online by going to pointsoforigins.com. Toward the end of the movie, Ben Stein asks Richard Dawkins, "What if after you die, you meet God?" And he says, "Do you, Richard? What are you doing?" And Dawkins responds by quoting someone else and says uh, to God, Sir, why did you go to such bangs to hide yourself? While the science in our world tends to point towards a common designer, simply because that's how it happened, because God created the world. So the science that we have today points towards intelligent design. But God did not choose to reveal himself in the science lab or of molecular biology. Instead, God reveals himself in the person of Jesus, true God and true man. And when Jesus walked this earth, he performed many miracles before many crowds of people. And even those miracles performed by Jesus did not convince them. Many still did not believe. And I think of the parable between the rich man and Lazarus when the rich man uh, begs Abraham saying, let Lazarus go and form my brothers so they'll, they'll know about my torment. And Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, if you, if you do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Mr. Dawkins, even if God was at your beck and call and did whatever miracles you wanted him to do to, in order to disprove evolution, you still wouldn't believe. You see, God gave Moses and the prophets to testify of his son, Jesus Christ, who came to be the Lamb of God. Jesus didn't come to prove that we have an intelligent designer. He came to bear the sins of the whole world. On the bloody cross, God hid nothing, but instead died for all, atoning, justifying, and reconciling all sinners to God, even an atheist like Richard Dawkins. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Table Scraps. If you have any questions about Table Talk Radio, email us questions at tabletalkradio.org or call us 866-851-5523.